This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Good morning, friends and warriors. Welcome to the podcast. This is Tracy Eddy, and I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. And my co-host and co-founder, Fran Yeager, is in Nashville, Tennessee. Good morning. Hello, my love. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. It's still the month of love. It is still the month of love, <laughs> and it's it's we love to be loved, and we are talking we love languages love and just all things love over at the blog. And so we've got a guest today who is basically a love language expert and she's a contributor um and her blog i think is is fran it's going to be what the day before this you the day before you the day before yeah the (laughs) the day before you hear this you'll have read regina donahue's blog on the love languages of children or love languages and parenting that's right so hailing from pittsburgh gray beautiful pittsburgh is regina donahue Good morning. Hello. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. How are you doing? Great. It is a a beautiful gray day here in Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just told her before before we started um, recording that in Arizona we had rain yesterday, and so that was a really big deal. Um, And so my kids would be jealous that she's got like overcast skies frequently where she lives. (laughs) We we had about forty five minutes of sun this morning, and it was glorious. Everybody was outside, everyone was (laughs) doing their thing, out and about. Well, thanks for joining us today, and like like we said earlier, this is the month of love, and so we're talking love languages, and um, um, Regina has a, you have a blog, don't you, Regina? She's a contributor on ours, but she also runs her own blog. Can you tell us a little bit about it? It's not that often that I get on that blog, but um, it's a a womanforlife.com. I'm an occasional writer on there, and I I do some Instagram and Facebook posts. Writing is kind of a fun hobby for me, and I like to share stuff. Well, Um, and we've read some beautiful blogs of yours that that haven't been on our website necessarily, so we know you're a gifted writer. Thank you. We're so honored to have you here. Thank you very much. And we're happy to have you as a contributor just in general for Bellator Society. It was such a gift when uh, we made that connection and uh, you said yes to join us, not just on this podcast, but just in general with Bellator Society. Uh, I'm so So. happy to be included. Thank you, guys. Oh, good, good. And so can you just tell, uh, so Tracy said that you're a love languages expert. (laughs) I I, I label. No, I label everyone expert. If you know anything about anything, I'm like, well, then you're an expert. Did you make chocolate cake? You're a chocolate cake expert. You're, a, you're a, an expert baker. I actually am a chocolate cake test eater, test eater expert, if you want to give me that credit. I'll take that one. Noted. Now we know. What else what, what, what else are you into? Like, what's your jam? Tell us about your family. Like, if you, you did write for us a piece called uh, Parenting and Love for our Love Language series. So we know that you're a parent. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Yeah. I, so I have five kids, um, ages 10 to 2. Um, oldest is 10, then 8, 7, 5, and 2, um, live in Pittsburgh. 
my husband and I have been married for 12 years, and we um, studied clinical psychology together, actually, which was an experience in itself just to be in class together and to, to get that master's degree together was really um, a lovely prep into parenting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we try to bring some of those skills into our parenting. Um, if you ask my kids if we were love languages experts, they would um, say, like, have you met them? <laughs> like, why don't you come over Wednesday morning at 10 and see how it really is? <laughs> Whatever. I don't believe that. <laughs> well, I would like to jump right into your piece because actually, you know, if, if your, your, the piece that you wrote for us um, pertains to a specific child who is having a difficulty just doing her stuff in the morning, right? And, and getting dressed specifically. And could you just give us a little backstory on the piece that you wrote? Because I think that, you know, that child did feel loved by the end. And so I would love to share that little bit of insight that you gave, because I think it was so, I thought it was so poignant and beautiful and instructive. Like ever since I read it, I was like, oh, I need to start really tuning in a better than I have before. Sure. So I think that um, in general, we're kind of used to applying the love languages in our dating and in our marriage. Like we we think about that a lot. And those are um, pretty common conversations that we have. Um, I I notice with when when you have a bigger family, um, there's a lot of different personalities in in children. You don't you don't know who you're getting necessarily. (laughs) So with my daughter, the story I told, um, she was having a really hard time in the morning getting dressed. And it was, our mornings were stressful. I had a new baby. I was trying to nurse, trying to feed everyone. Um, the oldest at the time was six or seven. So she she was just four. But this is, you know, she had been getting dressed on her own since two. And um, I knew she knew how to do it. But those school mornings, in those mornings of stress, she would just lay on the floor and kind of refuse to get dressed. And it was, um, it was really difficult to help her through that. I was getting more stressed out because, you know, the, the, the clock was going. And I don't know about you, but there's that moment when I realize, like, I'm going to miss the drop-off time, which makes mm-hmm. me have to go all the way through the school. <laughs> and, like, that's just, like, a whole new set of things that I have to worry about. Like, now, now I have to get dressed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was in those moments, moments of stress, my cortisol's up. I'm reverting back to the way I like to be loved because that's what we do in those times of stress. We go back to, okay, what would I like in this circumstance? And that's just a very natural response. Um, and I, and complimenting her because my love language is words of affirmation. I'm trying to spend a little extra time with her after school and like talk through it. But my husband um, kind of intervened because I, I was really complaining to him. I was like, I don't know what we're going to do um, to make these mornings go more smoothly for her and, and for everyone. And he said, you're, you're forgetting the most important thing. Like her love language is acts of service. Dress her. And, and I was oh. <laughs> right, like, wait, <laughs> no, like she knows how to get dressed. Why would I dress her? She knows what, how to do that. And, and it felt to me initially when he said it, like, well, isn't that, isn't that enabling her to, you know, not rise to the occasion and, and do what she knows how to do? And um, he said, he said, no, and his love language is acts of service. He said, I think if she feels that love for a while, she mm-hmm. is um, going to, feel better and then she's going to start dressing herself again 
And that is exactly what happened. My husband's very wise. And um, just a, a few days of just really taking my time with her for, you know, it, it did take longer and it was a little bit um, crazy with the other kids, but we made sure all of the bumps in her socks were not there anymore. <laughs> you know, I made sure all of her buttons were fastened and uh, it, it did wonders. Man, I love that story. I just love <laughs> it because it's so true. There's something about how you fill your love tank, you, how, you know, the ways in which that, that makes you just feel safe and then makes all of the other things like you don't know. And maybe, well, actually, maybe you do know as her parent, like what the underlying insecurity there was that, that, that made her act out in that way. But once her love tank was filled, then she was able to cope with whatever that was and then be able to kind of like get back on board. Yeah. And, and who doesn't who doesn't feel that yeah. <laughs> as an adult? I know what that feels like. Yeah, exactly. And we know what that feels like. But sometimes it can be hard when we're stressed and when yeah. time is um, crunching along <laughs> to take the time to say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to not care about those things and I'm going to fill yeah. her up. And then she was able to kind of start expressing those things that you're talking about. She started to tell me, like, I'm afraid I'm going to miss you. I don't know how to deal yeah. with the stress. These Aww. mornings are rushed. Like those types of things started coming out. Um, and, you know, mornings are still bonkers around here. But <laughs> yeah. it, didn't fix the, we, it did not fix the time crunch in the morning. No. Made her feel like, I know. I, my kids, I've said many times, were adopted. And my youngest, when we met her, didn't speak English. And same oh, wow. thing. Because she couldn't tell us what she needed. Um, she had these epic temper tantrums and stuff like that. And it's because she was so frustrated. And I think that's the same thing for little ones when they, when they're not able to verbalize maybe necessarily exactly what's going on. Um, you got to resort to the language that they know when that's their love language, you know? And it sounds like, like you said, her love language was acts of service. And the minute you started, um, speaking the same language that she was speaking to you, you know, um, she, she could cope. Yeah, and, and I have no, sorry, go no, ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I don't want to go too far into love languages before we take one little bitty step back and say, we're, we have no mind that we are introducing the concept of love languages to the general population, but someone might be listening to this podcast who doesn't really know the language we're speaking. <laughs> you know, so so I just want to give a little little primer here that the love languages originate out of a book by uh, Dr. Gary Chapman, who um, also, I believe, is a clinical psychologist mm -hmm. and, and uh, a Christian pastor of sorts who did uh, marriage counseling ministry uh, for many, many, many years. And um, he developed this idea of the five love languages, which was a book for, just as Regina, you said to begin with, um, marriage and like romantic love. Um, this is how you express love to your partner or receive love from your partner. And I mean, this book went like gangbusters. Like I think it has sold like over like 11 million copies. It's in 50 languages. Everybody knows the love languages. Or if you don't, here, here it is. This is what we're talking about. But um, we already mentioned, for instance, acts of service being one of those love languages. Um, words of affirmation is one that you, Tracy, uh, wrote about, about um, filling your child's um, love tank. But then the other ones that we haven't mentioned are physical touch, um, which doesn't need a lot of explanation, <laughs> but just, you know, th that you would use your body and, and that sense um, to to 
to express and receive love. Uh, quality time is another one. And then gift giving. So those are the five love languages. I just wanted to throw that out there. So before we get a little bit too deep, because I feel like we're going to keep referring back <laughs> to them. And until we set that stage, I didn't want anybody to get lost. So um, I'm sorry that I interrupted and I don't know where I did. Well, I, I think Does anybody know that, that was a, <laughs> a great synopsis. Thank you. I think we needed that. <laughs> Absolutely. So now how do you, how do you figure out? Cause you got little ones. How do you know what mm-hmm. their love language is? Because I mean, my kids are older, so we can have a, a, an, you know, intelligent conversation about, do you like this or do you like this? And then we can kind of deduce like what their love language is, or we just, I've, I've also kind of observed my kids over the years and have kind of, and have also figured it out like, oh yeah, it's definitely this or it's definitely this. But when you have little ones, I'm so impressed and really curious, like, how do you know what a four-year-old's love language is? Well, don't be that impressed. But so I think you just observe over yeah. time. You know what, um, you can see what makes them really excited. Um, and you can also tell uh, that there are certain behaviors that indicate certain love languages. And it's really important to know that we need them all. And right. children especially need them all because it's um, there's a process in the way that they express those things. Um, so just observing them, you know, I, I can notice in my two-year-old, she beams when I give her a compliment. She knows yeah. what I'm saying and she beams. So I keep like going with that. Okay, you let you like that. Um, and she's less impressed with presents. She doesn't really mm-hmm. care when I give her a present. Right. Where my five-year-old, I mean, he is the kid every time a grandparent comes over, every time an aunt and uncle stops by, did you bring me a present? You know, <laughs> and it's like, no, that's rude. But from yeah. him, like, it's that's actually hey did you are you gonna tell you me care? you love me now you yeah. know yes. and and there's other children who will just run up and wrap their arms around you completely and you know that's pr- an indication that uh physical touch is really important to them they express themselves and and they want to show you how they love you um by hugging you and i think that's another really important thing to observe how are they showing you right. as your as the parent um their love uh, since mm-hmm. my daughter, who is eight, has been um, one, and, and that's not an exaggeration, she would pick up a pencil and, you know, like draw anything and hand me a note. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is, a, this is a signal that words of affirmation mean something special to you. Um, and, you know, she's always excited for a, a note in her lunchbox. Like that really fuels her up. So I think just like getting to know your kids and yeah. we, all parents are doing that. They, um, it's, it's not, you know, 100% obvious all the time, but because I've, I work in marriage ministry and, um, I do have the psychology background, like I know what the languages are. So I, I've kind of, uh, can see the signals probably right. a little faster than maybe someone who's just opening up that Gary Chapman book um, for the first time would be able to do. That's why we called so you an expert. Which, <laughs> so speaking of uh, Dr. Chapman's book, um, he does have a derivative book, Love Languages for Children. And in it, he says just what, what you were saying, Tracy, is like, or and Regina, that you actually can know your child's love language by four years old. And the three ways that he says were exactly what you just said, Regina. Number one, what are they requesting? Yeah. You know, what are the things that they are asking for? Is it a present? Is it sit down and read a book with me? You know, c- can we play tickle or wrestle or whatever it is? Like, you know, then, then you'll know really, really quickly what their love language is. The second way he said was... Um, um, uh, what are they complaining about? Which is something that I hadn't really thought about, that's that that's another way to kind of distill their love language 
um, you know, like if for some reason they they lament that they didn't get a present, you know, or they didn't get a prize that day in school, like then you can be like, oh, okay, this is a hint, this is a clue that it might be gift giving. And then the third way he said was, um, how do they express love to you? Just what you were saying again, like are they little note writers? Are they leaving little presents? Are they making you presents all the time out of, <laughs> out of like craft paper? Or do you always have to be like, I love this. It's the best. Gift. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a box of goodies that your child has made? <laughs> yeah. Then you might know what their love language is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like we did a test. We took the test a, like a couple years ago, and I'm not really sure actually what everybody's love language um, turned out to be. But I've done just as you've done. Even again, even with my older kids. Now, now we've really verbalized it and put words to it. But it did. It. It took a little while to see. Like this is what they do to me this is this kid will go out of her way and spend her piggy bank money on a piece of chocolate for our anniversary oh. this kid <sighs> wants to hang out forever you know even though she's saying how many tests she has but if I'm sitting down she's sitting you know she's going to be there and this kid always leaves me love notes so you know I've I have figured out and even like my husband he's a great gift giver and I'm like I finally I'm like you like gifts <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really not a big gift giver, but I know now because he's given me so many wonderful gifts in our marriage, like that's his love language. You know, mm-hmm. I would rather have coffee in bed. I want you to make me like a manicure appointment and a massage or, you know, bring make dinner, whatever the case may be. But I think just like what y'all were saying earlier, I'm reiterating the point that um, you can take the test, but also a very easy way is to see like how your kids and how your family members treat you and, and kind of lavish their love on you. And that's probably what they want. Do we think that love languages are nature or nurture? Like, ha- like are they something that they, that, that are learned or like, are you just born that way? I think that, um, they're gifts from God and their nature in that way. Mm-hmm. And then I think that the nurture um, informs them and mm-hmm. forms them um, into uh, behaviors that really like become part of their personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm open to that discussion. For, for me, I think if it's coming out at age four and there's some clear indicators, I think that the, that's kind of, you know, the design that God put into their heart and how mm-hmm. they are called to communicate um, his images of love. Um, mm-hmm. So I, to me, that's, that's, a, that's a natural thing. <laughs> One of the things that made me think of that, though, was that I've got one child who is absolutely words of affirmation receiving. Like he receives words of affirmation better than any other expression of love. Um, but he he's not a big complimenter. And he, he really how he expresses love is always acts of service. Hmm. C- can I get up and take care of the baby for you? Can I go do this for you? Can I go help my grandparents do this? Like that is 100%. Like it's almost like we said before, like if oftentimes your preferred way to receive is often how you express, right? We've, we've said that before, Tracy, on, on the podcast. But for him, it's not. And I don't know if it's because he's learned that 
he somehow learned that doing things for people gets him gets him the words of affirmation more than like you don't just compliment people to receive compliments but I can do something for you and receive love the way I like it best and I feel like that's almost something that you have to learn versus you know it's just a natural because obviously four-year-olds aren't necessarily serving you at all times (laughs) (laughs) but it's learned but it's also the name like that's also the nature like their love language is the nature part of the compliment, but they've learned to receive. How, how can I get what I need, and I can right. serve others and and get the love that's going to fill me up. He yeah. sounds like such a lovely boy. <laughs> wonderful behavior. He is an outstanding human being. We love him, and we do try to give him words of affirmation. But uh, but it, you know it, it's hard because you you also want, and this is kind of where I'm going. Also, like you, you want to form, our, we want to form our children well as parents. We want to correct behaviors that we see need correction, and so to find the balance, especially with a child who needs who needs words of affirmation, yes. is so hard. Like I feel like I constantly have to be cognizant of making that that uh, that correction sandwich, that criticism sandwich, where I have to be like, "You are so awesome. I love how you do this. You didn't do this great." But you really do it well most of the time. <laughs> yeah. No, and th- that's hard. And when when we are aware of um, what the love language is, I think it does also inform proper discipline strategies. And, yes. And I think words of affirmation is a difficult yeah. love language to discipline, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can remember uh, my primary, and I have this weird thing where like, I feel most loved by my husband with quality time. But everyone else, it's words of affirmation. So yes. So that, but that's a that's a whole different thing. <laughs> I think I'm exactly the same. I'm glad that you said that. Yeah. Yeah, and and um, it the theory is based on you have a dominant and then you have a secondary. So I I sometimes don't know which one's my dominant and which one's my secondary. But I can remember in my in my childhood and with just like my own. Um, the way my parents disciplined me, I can remember insults or, and, or mm-hmm. like so fresh and the feelings yeah. are still so fresh, which um, I think as parents, we have to be cognizant of that, of yeah. the way that we're disciplining them. Um, we have to be careful because certain punishments or certain, I don't even want to use punishment, certain disciplinary styles um, will mm-hmm. impact children in different ways. Yeah. Well, for instance, like mass behavior. This is something that I think all of oh, us have fun. dealt with. <laughs> <It's> super fun. <laughs> Segway to ma- proper mass behavior. Um, so I have one child who, you know, w- the threat would be, that, and I say threat like loosely here, but like if you're not behaving, we're going to go stand in the back of in the vestibule until you can return to mass and behave properly. He loved that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, like sweet that. mom, I'm out of here. <laughs> you're going to go spend time with me. We're just going to stand wah, together wah. in the back of church. That sounds wonderful. And so then Matt would take him to the back and just like hold him really tight, which he did not enjoy. It was not the quality time he was looking for. And so it made him, it gave him the the motivation to want to actually stay in mass. On the other hand, um, this just happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, our four-year-old was not behaving properly. And I had, you know, told him several times, 
please don't do that again. We're going to go stand in the back of church, uh, you know, threatening as best I could (laughs) with things that I would actually follow through with. And then finally, I was just like, okay, I got to change course. And so it was during consecration. We're all on our knees. The little boys who were sitting in front of us were behaving fine. I mean, they weren't misbehaving. They were a couple of years older than my four-year-old, but I just decided to compliment them quietly to Samuel. And so I leaned over to Samuel and I said, do you see those boys? They are behaving so well. And I did not say, you're not behaving well. All I did was compliment the children in front of him. Two seconds later, I look over, tears streaming down his face. He felt so overlooked and not affirmed that he immediately, his little hands were folded. Again, still tears falling down his face. And I was like, wow, that affected him more than any of the threats that I have made prior to this, any of the corrections that I have given him, just complimenting <laughs> sitting in front of him, like broke his heart. And I don't know that that's good discipline, but it was very evidently, you know, an arrow to his love language. Right. And now you know, sit behind a really well-behaved family <laughs> and you're good to go. Exactly. <laughs> or compliment him throughout, which I'm sure you yeah. do, but like but definitely that like would you be said, better. Like you said, <laughs> that that be better, arrow to his love language. I love how, how you put that. Like that that proves that he he's a words of affirmation kid. Did you know that before? Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. I mean, if you tell him he's a good boy, I mean, he lights up and just beams from his eyebrows to his toes like he loves words of affirmation he's also physical touch though so I mean again it's that which one's more dominant he is our hugger lover cuddle baby and when I do have to discipline him it is best received if I'm like if he's sitting really close to me or sitting on my lap or um, he, he doesn't love I mean one of his best things in the world is if he has to take a nap for me to just lie down and hold his hand Aww. and then he'll go to sleep uh, really fast as a matter of fact uh, but yeah he's he's one or the other for sure and I, we've known that for the longest longest time that's awesome he does go to sleep fast. I've been at your house and mm-hmm. you're like, we're going to put Sam to bed. And then two seconds later, you're back in the living room. And I'm like, what, what? Because my kid will like, look to him, held his hand. You yeah. My, my words of affirmation, kids like, you still here? You still here? Like, every time she hears a creak, she kind of looks over the covers. I'm like, just go to bed. And you're wonderful. Yes. And I will leave you a note. <laughs> I guess also my question is, in your opinion, what should our what should our expectations be? Kind of going back to that discipline, like what is the right balance between expressing love to our children in the language that they prefer and also raising them intentionally to be well-formed so that they do realize like even if you're not receiving love in your best way, you still are receiving love. I, so I think that's a really good question. I don't have like a very straightforward answer to that. I think the continually talking about the different ways people express love um, in conversation with our kids and um, calling attention to some of the miscommunications Mm -hmm. um, can help children understand that different people will express love in different ways. Mm -hmm. And that can be a very good education for them. and for me, because I have five kids, there's a very natural way 
of that happening with the misfire that happens with siblings. Like one sibling will do something to another sibling. And then that, you know, that presents a conversation to say, well, you know, I don't think she meant it that way. You received Mm -hmm. it that way, but that's not exactly what the intention was. Um, And continually uh, discussing like the intention of our hearts and then the effect of our behaviors um, Mm -hmm. can be, I think, a good way for children to just become more aware of um, Mm -hmm. just the differences in maybe not taking their own reactions to be uh, 100% true, to to, like understand that there's room for error and that if they can um, see a, a bigger picture outside of their own feelings. Right, your emotions are not the reality yeah, for sure. Right, and and they can they're important, and we need to mm-hmm. process those, um, and understand why you're feeling what you're feeling. But mm-hmm. then we need to have some steps to move forward beyond those. Yes. Yeah. So tell me, how do you handle like filling up your kids' love tank on say birthdays and stuff like that? Like, do you are you intentional about um, the love language? you know, during birthday season or because I've, I've complained about that. Like to me, sometimes it's easier to buy like, okay, all three girls get perfume. All three girls get a new pair of shoes. All <laughs> yeah, three girls right. are going to get, cause I want to keep things fair, you know? Right. Oh but yeah. Is, is that something that they're like, you know, one kid who loves the gifts is like, woohoo, and the other ones are like, okay, thank you. You know, politely, but not necessarily uh, what's going to fuel them. So I, um, I did actually think about that a lot during Christmas this year because I was trying to, for my own self, um, simplify my, because I'm the type of person that like on December 20th, I'm like, I don't have enough. I need to like. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> like Amazon Prime. And it's always crap. Like on, totally. I can't say it. And then, like, it's totally. the stuff that they don't care about. And it just mm-hmm. is not, because it's not um, intentional on my end. Right. It's so, just to take up square footage yeah, around the Christmas. To look yeah, good with right. photos. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> it's kind of important to me. <laughs> and right, for sure. Yeah, you want you want Santa Claus to just—he's got to make an impact. Um, but I, I think with gift giving, there are different gifts. When you're talking about birthdays or big holidays, where presents are a part of it, I think different gifts can speak to different languages. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, with my daughters, my one daughter uh, really enjoys physical touch. I got her a very soft blanket just to say like, okay, this is going to be on your, like, this is going to be cozy. This is going to make you feel loved yeah, in that way. That's a good idea. Where um, my son really enjoys words of affirmation. So with each present came um, a note to explain why uh, why it was he was getting that. And, Great you know, and there, were, there were a lot of things with um, the activities that he is in. So he got new futsal shoes. So. I, you know, I really want you to play well at futsal, like that kind of thing. Like you're doing so well in sports. Um, but I think it can be hard. And the comment I hear all the time from my kids is that's not fair. And you, you right. want to like part, part, part of the time I want to get back and say, life's not fair. Like get over it. <laughs> I think <laughs> I do. Yeah. And I, I think in, especially with a bigger family, um, we want to streamline everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not necessarily a way to uh, th- that can be the easier way, I guess. And yeah. uh, we're probably called to a little bit more intentionality, but you also have to be very practical. And um, it, to to your point about making sure that they're not just expecting um, to be, it, they're not entitled to all sorts of uh, 
like hoopla over their love language to understand that yeah. th- this isn't the end, like these presents and the way that we celebrate your birthday, like that isn't the end all be all of your worth. Like your, your, you know, your worth is rooted in God. It's rooted in Christ and to have those conversations to allow the love languages to inform our parenting, but you know, to always be pursuing heaven a little bit more than absolutely. I love that. I, I, I might do that. Put it, put, um, words of affirmation with gifts because you're not going to not, that's my thing. Like the kid who wants quality time, I'm not going to not get her gifts because right. it would, I mean, everyone does like a gift at the end of the day. Just yeah. get her a clock <laughs> and a date book. One of those like, you know, that you turn over and the sand comes through and you or, get two maybe of those. Tickets. tickets to a show that you're going to together. Like that's still a present, yeah. but then it's, you are having um, a chance to spend some time together. Those are just, you know, that is, quick ideas. That is a hundred percent the way that like, if my husband gives, I'm not a gift person either, but if it's, if it's a plan to do something together, I am up for it. I am on board. It's my favorite thing. That's a great idea. Christmas 2020. Here we yeah. go. Well, see, we're entering the birthday season. <laughs> Taking notes. I do want to say that Regina, you actually did write a beautiful blog uh, for your blog on this very subject of giving gifts at Christmas time Thanks in, for reading in your that. children's <laughs> love languages. Yeah, it was it was a great blog. Thank you. Um, I also have a question. Like, do we think that our love languages change or morph over time over the like the course of our life? I would think so. Because I was trying to think, like, when I was little. Um, it was, it was really mostly words of affirmation, but just as you said before, Regina, like from my husband, it's quality time. Like, I I mean, that fills my tank more than anything, but throughout my entire life, it really was like, I just needed to be told I was good. I just needed to be told I, you know, did well, um, or that someone saw me, (laughs) um, but that, but I don't need that from him because it's kind of implicit for me, at least it's, you know, I don't need him to constantly be complimenting me. Um, I just, uh, but it's the time that we spend together. That's important. So I don't know that my love language changed, but like it, it, I don't know, it's just different as an adult with that relationship. Do you think that that's the case for most people? Is it for you guys? I think that's a really interesting question. Um, man, you got to get Gary Chapman on the, this. <laughs> you might be able to answer that a little better than I can. So, I, my, you know, my husband said at one point that he believes quality time is kind of all of them. He thinks mm-hmm. that quality time encompasses and is maybe the deepest. And I think mm-hmm. that that's probably, for, for me, it, it, that's the one that I seek only with him. I, I can't mm-hmm. say that I seek that really with anyone else. Maybe mm-hmm. my children. I do seek one-on-one quality time with my children. Um, but relationships on the periphery, I, th- that's not what fills up my tank. I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if that is answering the question all the way. I think that that's a really interesting thing to ponder. One thing that I do think about is um, my family growing up. My mm-hmm. family was full of presence. Like we had just that my mom's love languages is so obviously giving gifts and receiving gifts. I mean, it was just, she was so generous and still is so generous mm-hmm. um, that I never knew that I didn't really feel that loved by the presence because it was mm-hmm. like, just like what we did. And I always felt loved, but then I was like, oh, actually, once I had started learning about these things, like the way to make me feel most loved is through these words of affirmation and quality time. Um, so I think that we can discover in ourselves with more detail 
um, as time goes on and maybe um, have more insight into like those deeper parts of of ourselves. But I don't I don't know if they would change. I think maybe we haven't discovered them yet. Mm-hmm. But that's just mm-hmm. my that's my opinion. And you do kind of learn to like it may have always been that your love language was quality time, but you do learn to if if that wasn't um, lavished on you as a child, you do learn in some way. I think in that way it is learned that this is how this person loves, even if that's not like an explicit lesson that you learned through conversation. You just kind of learn it because I would say similarly, my mom throughout my entire childhood was a gift giver. That's how she she served her children. I mean, apart from the regular acts of service that are heroic and extraordinary that mothers do but like gifts were what where she she really shined and um and not that I didn't feel loved by them but as I grew older it really was like can I go can I go shopping for the gifts with you yeah and if I can go with you that made it better like um okay if you have a child listening to this podcast I would appreciate it if you put it on pause at this very moment because I'm about to say something that you do not want your child to hear pause it now (laughs) when I learned the Christmas secret (laughs) Um, I was overjoyed and lots of parents think like their kids are going to be like deflated when they learn the Christmas secret I'm being a little euphemistic here I think that we all know what it means like because they're because the magic is gone and the presents might not mean as much or whatever like when I found out that there was no Santa it was like the windows blew out of the house the fresh air was running through because then I got to be a part of it I got to spend the time with my mom to make it happen. I got to sit with her while she wrapped the presents and it just, it changed. There was so much more joy for Christmas. That is beautiful. That is awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I think that that's something that um, as children, it didn't change. Like I I didn't, I still appreciated the gifts, but it was always quality time maybe. So again, I still loved words of affirmation. I still really did. But my parents weren't big complimenters either. My dad was a good cheerleader, but like I did not get, I sought for compliments from people outside of my family because I knew that that wasn't, it wasn't what I was going to receive from my parents. And I always felt loved by them, but it wasn't like, you know, I didn't get notes (laughs) or letters. Or things like that, um, but today I, you know, I do. I still love those things, you know, and I learned to love them, and they filled my bucket in a way that I didn't know needed to be filled as a child. Well, and I also think, I mean, I'm a big believer that most of us love all five of them, oh, <laughs> and yeah, so maybe, yeah. maybe as you're younger, you're, you know, you may lean towards one more and more, but then as you really mature into who you are, you, you can see a straight focus to like, yes, this is my love language. Um, but I think mm-hmm. it's also a gift to know when you have a little one, like this makes them tick. This is mm-hmm. what, um, they strive for. This is what they, this is their best reward is going to be to have a note or to have, you know, some car time with mom to go get nails done or whatever. Um, but I think I wrote in my blog that was on the, on our website the other day. I mean, I like to be told I'm awesome. I like gifts. Mm-hmm. I like, I've already said, I love it when somebody brings me somebody. I love it when I get coffee in bed, which my young daughter will bring to me because she knows that I love it. Um, so, and I, no one's going to poo poo any of that. No, <laughs> all no, good. like that's all, <laughs> yeah, gonna, that's all good. We're all going to feel loved by that. But just as you said, I think that once, once, um, if, especially if you, if you like a little bit of everything, as you get older, you may realize, okay, this is definitely more my, my language you know it doesn't yeah, really change but 
I, I think it's there's such a great tool to helping us um, discover more about ourselves and more about mm-hmm. others. And they can um, give us a little bit of a cheat sheet for mm-hmm. communication. And um, the knowledge of them just helps me understand people better. When you yeah. see yeah. and you know what um, makes us tick as human beings, I think that that's always a good thing. Um, but yeah, we need them all. And like, <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate um, anytime anyone's going to bring me a present, like, yes, like, that's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Any act of service. But what a what a privilege it is to know in just a few people in your life, especially your husband and your children, um, what their primary one is. Right. I think that yeah. that is like, a, that's a privilege of knowing a person at a deeper level. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, and it's like a privilege looking back in my life to know, wow, my mom was going so deep into what she enjoyed and sharing that mm-hmm. with me. Like, yeah. and mm-hmm. and I mean, I felt so loved my whole life. So I don't, I don't mean to um, <laughs> indicate otherwise. But um, yeah, and then my husband was like, okay, now I I can compliment you for forever. <laughs> like, that will be. He's that's like, yes, I can now. do this one. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I agree that we all like feel love in all of the five ways, except that I laughed so hard last night. I was talking to um, my 16-year-old about the love languages because he's quality time. So he was staying up real late so that we could chit-chat after the other boys had gone to bed. And and so we were just talking about love languages in general and going through all of them and just kind of seeing you know where, where he was. And he, he's, as we expected, uh, quality time. But when we got to acts of service, he was like, no, yeah, no, definitely not that. I don't trust anybody to do things for me the right way. And I was oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. I understand that. It's like, please just let me do this myself. Like, no, no, no. I, I get that. I'm not going to feel loved if it's messed up. <laughs> that is Which funny. is hard when you have a kid who like, um, if their love language is quality time and you want to like clean up their room and you're like, come on, let's clean up the room together so that we can spend quality time. But yet if, if you don't appreciate acts of service as much and yet, and so they're kind of like messing it up while you're cleaning, <laughs> there's like this conflict of language. It's like, you're speaking two different dialects. Yep. <laughs> it's it's the type A love language. They should have their own book. <laughs> I want it done right. <laughs> that would be an interesting, like, you know, does this fit into certain to other personality theories? Right. How does this all mesh together? That would be cool. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I think we should start thinking about that. Because now that you say um, that, like, one more. I'm oh, sorry. No, I just had one more question. Um, do you think that there are any languages of love that are not outlined in the five? I personally think it's a pretty complete theory, but I think you know it's it's one way of um, understanding human behavior and human communication. Mm-hmm. I think he did a pretty awesome job of taking his observations. Um, from the clinic and from um, therapy and putting it into a, a very comprehensive understanding of who the human person is. And I love that Catholics have been able to um, deepen it in a lot of ways and really yes. like integrate it into um, our spirituality and, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, into our, our faith in a lot of ways. I think mm-hmm. that that's been a beautiful thing to witness. 
Yeah, I agree. We actually have two blogs running this month that are on that that very thing. Uh, one by um, Aaron Pohlmeyer about how Jesus loved and all of the five love languages or or how we love him using those five love languages. And then another one, uh, The Saints and Love Languages by um, Aaron Bulkins, oh. which I thought was beautiful as well, where she kind of goes through all of the five love languages and shows how the saints were models of those love languages, which again, incorporating our Catholic faith into into those uh, into just into that theory, I think, is so beautiful and and just richly expresses the the depth and beauty of our faith as well. That that I can't wait to read that. Yes. <laughs> they're excellent pieces for sure. Um, one thing that I thought of, and I don't know that it's a lack of the five, but maybe it's more of an umbrella or a way in which we express the five. And my only, like, if I were to add like a sixth love, lang- love language, I think it might be sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, Jesus is love and the primary way he loved us is through sacrifice. And, but I, but I was trying to like tease that out. Like, what would that actually look like or mean if I were going to write and add a chapter to Dr. Chapman's <laughs> book, which you never ask me to write. have an addendum, doctor. <laughs> exactly. Um, the only thing I could think of, like, as a, as a quick example is like, if, if you grow up in a family where there are not a lot of resources and, um, you realize that, that gifting something is hugely sacrificial then gift that then gift giving might become your love language because of that added aspect of sacrifice um and then again if you're a mother of um children and you know physical touch isn't your love language at all which I identify with. It is not my love language at all. Um, but you know that you have a child who who really loves it. The best way I can love him is through sacrifice, you know, and, yeah. and you know, hugging on him, loving on him, you know, rubbing his head, you know, holding his hand, all of those things. And so there are ways, I don't know that it's added, but maybe just as you said, Regina, adding that level of, of the element of sacrifice, which is implicit in our faith, deepens every single one of them. Yeah. And I think that the sacrifice helps us encounter the other person's love language. When mm-hmm. we sacrifice the um, our instinct of, of um, well, this is the easiest way for me to show love. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my husband's love language is acts of service. So that is like the last thing that mm-hmm. is... Um, instinctual to me like that's not (laughs) what comes natural to me yeah um so when whenever i am trying to love him it becomes this intentional sacrifice because like i do not want to fold his laundry like i just don't want to do it but i know he appreciates it so much so like i try to and i think because he knows that about me then he can receive that and understand the sacrifice that was part of that act um, mm-hmm. And and I do think that that is Gary Chapman's point. Like when we have knowledge of the other and when we're able to encounter the other person for who they are and not who we expect them to be or want them to be, that that's really where the, the love is communicated at the deepest level. Totally. 
Totally. I love this stuff. We could talk about love languages <laughs> yeah. because, I mean, it, it, it just ripples out to all of our relationships. I mean, I think that we've been very focused in talking about children on this podcast. And we've mentioned with our spouses as well. But, I mean, even just loving our friends and our neighbor, mm-hmm. you know, um, all, all of those things. We, we Using the love languages to nurture those relationships um, is essential and so helpful. Um, so thank so you. Human. Thank you, Regina, Absolutely. for joining us and helping us kind of just just chit chat a little bit about this this beautiful um uh exploration of the love languages and we always end our podcasts with uh, something that we call the last little bit and it's just something that we say at the end that's on our mind on our hearts something that we want to share with our listeners uh that might either brighten their day or inform them in a small way and uh i don't know if you have one prepared um if you if, if you want to go first you're welcome to but we're happy to go first while you think of something if you'd like yeah i don't have anything prepared so okay. show me that right. here <laughs> Trey, do you want to go? Do you have something on your mind? You know, truthfully, I don't. And I normally do. I never prepare things because I Mm -hmm. feel like I always end up coming up with something that I just want to say. Um, And if I prepare something, then I've just got way too much stuff to talk about at the end. But this time, I actually... (laughs) It's on the list. You got to tick it off if you prepare it. I think the one thing that that just became very apparent to me um, is all the different situations where I, I can remember like a cousin or a neighbor or something. And I'm like, that was their act of that was their that was their love language or that was so this conversation has been so informative on things that really like love is kind of should be instinctual you know but um I have a cousin who she used to say like she hated this one potato dish and her husband loved it and she said I mean when I make it I'll yell from the kitchen this is an act of love but it's because it, it was a sacrifice. Like there was, there was a lot of, you know, steps involved, a lot of ingredients. It was a big mess and she didn't like the dish. So it was, that was how she showed, you know, her love. I didn't think about it like that. I just thought she was dramatic, you know? Um, and then, and then I'm thinking about like, we took bunt cakes around to people when we first moved in and some were well received and some people we've never seen them since we knocked on their door and like said, hi, I'm your new neighbor, you know? I brought you a book. Let's be friends. But it's probably because that's just not how they, that that really didn't mean anything to them. It did to us because John's a gift giver and I like acts of service. And so walking around and trying to like. And who doesn't love carbs? Who doesn't love nothing? (laughs) And I didn't even make it myself. They should have really dug it, but (laughs) it was not homemade, which to me makes it better when it comes from my kitchen. Um, so this is just, I've, I've, I can't tell you how many different situations I've been thinking about throughout this conversation Mm -hmm. of like, well, maybe that explains whatever, maybe that explains whatever, you know? So, um, it does inform you for mercy. I love that. It really does. Yeah. That's all I have. Okay, my last little bit is um, we, for uh, the, the the month of love for February, have been rolling out a couple of fun things in our shop. And one of them is a sticker, a vinyl sticker um, of an eagle with something written in a foreign language because it's in our Native Tongue series <laughs> where we take the words of the saints um, in their own language and um, and, and you know do, do fun stuff with it, either on T-shirts or sweatshirts or stickers or whatever. And so we did a sticker that 
this month um, by uh, a quote by Carol Watiwa, which, who, of course, is Pope St. John Paul II prior to becoming the Pope. Um, and in his book, Love and Responsibility, there's a quote, and it's, freedom exists for the sake of love. And so we have it in Polish um, uh, on a sticker, which is really, I think, a sweet thing. But what I love that no one else in the entire world will appreciate but me in the way that I appreciate it is that the graphic that we used of the white of the white eagle. So the white eagle is actually um, a, a Polish symbol of kind of national symbol of their country. And uh, when uh, communism fell, uh, Pope John Paul II actually received the the um, he was the first in the new order of the white eagle uh, because he helped bring down communism in Poland. And so the the white eagle is a symbol of of Poland. And so we kind of wanted to bring that into the native tongue sticker for for this this uh, Polish quote. Um, but anyway, I asked, we were having some trouble finding the, the legal rights to use a lot of the symbols that actually exist in the world. <laughs> and so I, t- I have a child who is an incredible artist. And so I was like, do you mind just, just whipping up? Could you just whip up a little symbol of, of a white eagle? And he was really busy with school and he was really apologetic. And he was like, mom, I might be able to get to it in a couple of days, but I really need to study. And I'm like, that's fine. I totally understand. But my husband was sitting by and he was like, I can do it for you. He did an amazing job. So even if y'all aren't going to go buy a sticker, I want you to go to our shop and look at the sticker that he created. He did the graphic by hand. Um, it's, it's a beautiful rendering of the, the Polish white eagle. And you might not be able to read Polish, so I just wanted you to know that it says <laughs> freedom exists for the sake of love. And I think you'll feel better if you buy one and put it on your laptop or on your phone or on your water bottle because it, it is a, it's a great, great graphic. And a great, and sticker. it's a great conversation yeah. starter too. Like all my kids have them on their water bottles now, and people are like, "What is that language?" Because Polish actually looks kind of weird. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it's a beautiful quote. I can't wait to get one. Thanks. All right, your turn. So, have you thought of anything, Regina? Something that you'd like to share? Sure, I will share. This is my recent um, reflection that the the call to Catholicism, in particular, is a call to find the hidden humanity. And whether we're finding hidden humanity using love languages um, or using some other theory that kind of helps inform what humanity means, um, to dive into that search with joy. And mm-hmm. we're called to find the humanity of Jesus in the barn, on the cross, um, and in the most ridiculous place of all, this tiny piece of bread. So to just go after that hidden humanity and um, love it deeply. Amen. Amen, sister. I love it. Thank you. Thank, thank you for you. being with us today. My you. very first podcast. You guys are. <gasps> Yay. Very, um, You're natural. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I don't know. Thank you. <laughs> you certainly are. And please come back because we I so enjoy it. chatting with you. Anytime. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.